0: Okay, to start our service, I'm going to read two verses Matthew 27, verses 45 and 46. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, that is, my God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we come to you on this solemn day, uh, remembering that you have died for us, that you sent your only begotten son to die for us. And we ask you, Lord, that you would help us to understand the depth of what you have done for us, that we would understand your great love that we would appreciate it more and um, that, would it, that it would touch us from the inside and be with, be with us throughout all our days, Lord, until you call us to be home with you. And we just pray that you would be glorified now in this time of service. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. For this Good Friday sermon, we are continuing to look at the Psalms of Lament. In particular, we are looking at Psalm 22 and verse 1. Jesus on the cross in the text that I just read at the ninth hour, which was three o'clock in the afternoon, cried out Psalm 22 and verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Before we delve into the meaning of this cry, it is good for us to be reminded of the three offices of the Messiah. It's good to be reminded that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. He is the God-man. And He came to fulfill all the prophecies of the Old Testament. As the Messiah, the Anointed One, He is the prophet, priest, and king. These are the three offices of Israel in the Old Testament. And Jesus carries out these three offices perfectly for those he came to redeem. Herman Bavinck expresses this so nicely when he said this, quote, This whole life of Christ in its prophetic, in its priestly, in its kingly activities issued at last in death. The death is the fulfillment of of the life. Jesus came to die. He himself was clearly conscious of that. Already at his first public appearance in the synagogue of Nazareth he applied the prophecy concerning the suffering servant of the Lord to himself. That's found in Luke chapter 4 and verse 16 and following. And he was therefore, says Bavink, perfectly aware of the fact that he would be led as a lamb to the slaughter. He was the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. Bavik continues, The temple of his body was to be broken, but after three days it would also be raised again. That's John chapter 2 and verse 19. As Moses raised the serpent in the desert, so according to the counsel of God, the Son of Man must be raised on the cross. John chapter 3 and verse 14. He was the grain of wheat which had to fall into the ground and die in order to bring forth fruit. And that is John 12 and verse 24. That ends... That quote from Herman Bovink, who was a Dutch Reformed theologian. I believe on this Good Friday, it is good for us to be reminded that the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, came to earth and took to himself a human body and a human soul. He was born of the Virgin Mary He lived under the law and kept it perfectly. He did this as the second Adam who represented us. So as we like to say, Jesus lived the life we should have lived. And though he never sinned, he then died the death that we deserve to die. He willingly did this. He was born to die but not just any death it was a death that only he could die and it happened once never to be repeated as second corinthians 5:21 says for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him that's in christ we might become the righteousness of god On Good Friday, it is good to be reminded that Jesus came to die. His death was no accident. It was part of God's plan. So if Jesus knew that he came to die a sacrificial death of atonement for sinners like you and me, then why did he cry out on the cross that lament? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What does this mean? But before I tell you what I think this means, what I know this to mean, I would like us to focus on what it does not mean. What it doesn't mean is, number one, that he was ignorant And not knowing why he was being crucified. It is a why of exclamation and wonderment. Not of ignorance. It highlights and amplifies what God is doing for our salvation. Secondly, what it doesn't mean is that there was a separation or a disruption that occurred within the two members of the Trinity, the Father and the Son. Because we know this, because God cannot change. This is our security and comfort as we go through the difficulties of life. That God is unchanging gives us security and and comfort. Thirdly, what this doesn't mean is that, there, is that there was a separation between the union of the divine nature and the human nature. If that happened, there would be no salvation. And fourthly and lastly, what this doesn't mean, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It does not mean that the Father was displeased with the Son or angry with the Son. He was not angry with Him or displeased. Twice during the ministry of Jesus, at His baptism and His transfiguration, the Father said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The death of Christ on the cross was why Jesus came. The Messiah voluntarily went to the cross. And this is what our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit willed to happen for us and our salvation. Jesus said this. I want you to hear this. The night in which he was betrayed. He said this to his disciples. Behold. The hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet, Jesus said, I am not alone, for the Father is with me. That's John chapter 16, verse 32. God was with Christ during his death on the cross. And God was well pleased with what he was doing. God did not cease to love the incarnate son son, as he hung on the cross. Bearing the weight of divine wrath for our sins. God's love and his wrath are not contradictory. As Geherdes Voss, another Dutch theologian who lived over a hundred years ago, said, "Listen to this quote: "Just when he, Jesus, drank in the bitterest aspect of this death in obedience and suffering, he was, for that reason, an object of greatest good pleasure." to God a sacrifice of sweet smelling aroma to the Lord now that we've just covered what this doesn't mean let's ask what does it mean when Jesus said and cried out this cry of dereliction my God my God why have you forsaken me What it means first is that God had removed protection from him. That God had allowed, what this means is that God had allowed those leaders who hated him to crucify and mock him. All through his ministry, Jesus was kept from being taken and killed. But now his hour had come. Psalm 22, in different parts of that psalm, shows us this mockery by those who hated Jesus. And this is alluded to in Matthew and Mark's account of the crucifixion. Notice in Psalm 22, verses 7 and 8: All who see me mock me, they make mouths at me, they wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Rescue him. For he delights in him. Verse 18. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. Matthew's gospel shows this mockery as a fulfillment of Psalm 22. Secondly, what does this mean that Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It means that Jesus in his human consciousness in feeling divine wrath may have felt a loss of divine comfort. There is great mystery here. God still loved him. But Jesus was experiencing this eternal death for us on the cross. Jesus died temporally later. That is a physical death. But he was experiencing eternal death on the cross. Not in quantity, but in quality. And I like what Another Dutch theologian said from the 1600s, Herman Witsius said this quote, Although laden with our sins, he felt the wrath of God burn, not against himself, but against our sin, which he had taken upon himself. And so we see that Jesus was experiencing something of the feeling of this discomfort of the divine wrath. But lastly, Jesus' cry on the cross is a prayer to God, and it's to his God. He had trust and not despair in this cry, this was not a hopeless cry. He prayed, my God, twice, which shows personal trust. He was astonished at what God was doing for us sinners. And you and I, we should also be astonished at God's love for us in the cross of Christ. How does this work? application how does this cross of christ apply for us in application and there's two things i would like you to see number one the cross of christ and this cry of dereliction my god my god why have you forsaken me shows that human sin is a serious matter of gravest importance we deserve to die eternally in hell God is not like us parents and grandparents who can overlook the sin of our children and say, that's okay. Sin is so serious that only the death of Jesus could satisfy God's justice and appease his wrath and give us a righteous standing with God. Secondly and lastly, God's love is so amazing And undeserving. If you doubt his love. Look to the cross of Jesus. Where the innocent one died for you dear Christian. Remember. You are Christ's friend. And there is no greater love than that he should die for you. His friend. But also a rebel. Who would die for their enemies, those who rebelled against him? Only God would do that. Just imagine if you were sentenced to die for a major crime. And then a friend came and said he wanted to take your place and die for you so that you could live. That would be amazing. That's, that's love. But that is on a lower level with what Christ did for us who believe in Him for salvation. I conclude with these thoughts. God's love for us sinners is unchanging. He demonstrated that for us in dying for our sins. Romans 5, 6-8 through 8 says it this way, For while we were still weak, Christ died for us. Let's pray. Lord, we are awed that you died for us rebels and you call us friends. You died for your friends. And yet we are your enemies by nature. And you came and you took the mockery and you bore the wrath that we deserved you took our place for us on the cross which is so wonderful that lord we need to meditate upon it this day and this this week and this easter season this good friday we need to meditate upon what you have done for us in the cross and we just cannot thank you enough may we be struck to our hearts at at how great your love is. May that just uh, encourage us and give us comfort in this time. And may you be glorified in our thoughts and our words and our deeds this day, Lord. And thank you again for taking our place. We who deserve to die eternally, you took that for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.